Oh, my God. That's incredible. And you know what the number one comment was? What? Why is it so cheap? Unbelievable. It was, really, because here I am for $2,000 training you to write a sales letter that you can go out and now get $6,500 each. Yeah, absolutely. Is that letter anywhere on your site or is it? website. What happened is two years after I started the program, I pretty much knew what people needed to know. So what I did is I sent out a promotion to my list. At the time, you had to do it with mail, of course, and uh, got 25 people to the seminar. It was a four-day seminar. had a videotape and audio tape. So we recorded the whole thing, and that became the bulk of the product. After that, when people would buy the program, I'd say, listen, what you do is you go through the videos because all of the questions I think you're going to need to have answered are on there, and then at the end, we'll do critiques and follow-ups and stuff, and you can ask any question. I gave a year-long thing, the same thing. Call me up any time you want for a, a year-long, and it worked like a charm. Actually, I put more printed material in there, and I had audios. Altogether, the package weighed 35 pounds, and when it would land on the doorstep, they'd say, wow, this is really something. Now, remember how we made, got up the page count up for Paul Hartunian's book? You have to give people a book so that they know that they've got something there. So what they had is uh, 25 hours of video. They had 25 hours of it on audio tape so they could listen to it in the car. And then they had another 25 hours of audio, which was not the protege program, but it was other things. Uh, my Marketing Made Easy workshop, which is a 12-hour workshop with hot seats, and another 12-hour program, which was Paul Hartunian, Rob Gilbert, and I did something called the Wealth Retreat Roundtable and a couple other tapes. So we have 50 audio tapes, 25 video tapes, an hour long each, and over a 1,000 pages of printed material. Do you still sell this package? Yeah. It's no longer $2,000 because my time is involved, and it's now $5,000. Okay. So we'll bargain when you consider that. It's a, well, you know, there's nothing for sure. We want to do our FTC disclaimers and say you know, nothing's for sure, but it's probably the best way to get up to speed on being a copywriter where people pay you $6,500 and up. Even a rank beginning copywriter charges no less than two, $3,000 for a typical sales. So does it not only teaches you the business and how to get clients? Yeah, there's some of that in there, and I used to do some of it by phone with anything that needed to be customized. The attitude I took is i tell them anything they needed to know, mm -hmm. which included how to pick product to sell, how to create the product, how to pick mailing lists, how to go about doing the mailing list. So I'd cover the whole gamut. It wouldn't be just copywriting. It depends on what they needed. Anything they needed. With the $5,000 package today, that offers consulting yeah. where they can call you up? Yeah, exactly. For a year? Yeah. That's exciting. All right, let's talk about that. You had 18 buyers. So what happened? Out of those 18 people, how much time did it take on the phone with these? What was the experience with those 18 people? I didn't keep good track of how much time on a person, but some people would call, and they'd call for probably the first two or three months where most of the calls were, and some people never called. They didn't have any printed material to speak of. In the beginning, I had a little packet, maybe it was about two inches worth of stuff, just sample letters and things like that. A couple people never called at all, but most people usually spend the first two or three months and I get them up to speed and they'd be happy with that. And I critique their stuff. What I found where the real aha experience occurs is in the critique because that kind of customizes 
all the things they've learned and makes it concrete in a real-life application. So I'd always try to get people to have a real-life application to write copy for. It was always the best thing if they had something like that. If they didn't, then we'd create something. This was your first major product? My second one. first one was my Marketing Made Easy workshop. We'll have to backtrack on that because... One of my first things when I got all the Jay Abraham stuff and Gary Halbert and was to a Jay Abraham seminar and all that stuff, linked up with this guy who had an ad agency on Madison Avenue, small little ad agency, and he actually hired me as the vice president of his ad agency, and we did some projects together, and one of the things that we did is weekend retreat in Woodstock house up there, and he'd kind of built a base of people he knew up there and had held one of the, like, learning annex type, it's called Woodstock University, and we did a class on marketing, I said, why don't we do it like an in-depth workshop on marketing, we'll charge like $295 for a weekend, it's actually, I don't think a whole weekend, it was 12 hours, so we said, yeah, okay, we'll do that, so we did that, and we had like a small workshop, like about 12 people or so, and from diverse businesses and industries, everything from local to regional to national and international businesses, it covered product businesses that sold products, businesses that sold services, well represented in a full gamut, and we did uh, hot seats with each one of them, kind of did a makeover. First, we did a basic marketing, teach the marketing, and then we did hot seats where they participated and found that it really worked because they came up with some really good ideas for people in the hot seat. And did you take that one? Yeah, that's the marketing. Marketing made it. Only audio taped it. What I did is 12 hours there, and then I put it together with about seven to nine manuals. Depends on how you count them. And some of them I wrote, and some of them were classics like Johnny Hendy's Reason Why Advertising, Robert Ayer, Million Dollar Sales Letters. It's a collection of just 15 letters with explanation. Those two were actually public domain things, and I brought the Johnny Kennedy stuff out of public domain. So I was doing public domain back in 19. 87 or 89. I did one called How to Write Million Dollar Sales Letters where I took the sales letter that I did for my copywriter protege program. I basically explained the letter, how it was put together and why it worked. So the tapes were done before I had a copywriter protege program, but the manuals were added to later and that was after I started the protege program. All right. Give me another story about another client you wrote copy for before you started just doing copy for yourself that really did well. They're sort of all intermixed anyway. Did you like writing for clients? No, I hate writing for clients. They never want to do what you tell them to do. I remember this one guy. It was an interim client kind of a deal where he had a client, his car dealer. He wanted me to write a letter for him. So he really hyped me up and everything. And I, I wrote this letter that was really pretty good. But from a car dealer's point of view, this guy thought it stank. It was a piece of crap, and he was giving me all this stuff. And I, I said, I don't need this stuff. I said, forget it. Don't run the letter. Don't pay me. Don't do anything. I don't need this. It was a letter that probably would have worked real well for him, but it was beneath him to send out the letter. Can you give me some names of some students that I may know of that well, you trained? I can tell you people who have my course. We can drop a few names there. Of course, there's Brian Keith Boyle, Mr. Mm -hmm. Christensen. Now, when Brian Keith Boyle came to you, was he pretty new into copywriting, do you think? Yeah, when he came to me before that Ted Thomas seminar. Oh, okay. He already knew me at that time, so he it was before then, and that was 1992 or 4. 
Saturday after 1992 and before 1994, I think it was 1994, that Ted Thomas seminar comes about. He was in one of those first people. There's Craig Hain, who owns TWI Press. Craig Haynes is the owner? Craig Hain, yeah. Brett Ridgeway runs the TWI Press portion. Recently, guys just got it are Lynn Thurman, the Affiliate Review. Yannick Silver has a version of it. Armin Morin. Alex Mendozian, Alex just wrote me a very nice testimonial. These are all guys who seriously want to learn copywriting. Oh, yeah. Bring me to the Internet. Obviously, I have a computer background, so it kind of made sense. And I had known about the Internet early on, too, which it wasn't called the Internet, called the ARPANET. Sort of knew about that, but I haven't really been turned on to the thing yet. Then Gary Halbert had something called the Atom Bomb seminar, and I was one of the speakers there, and that's where I introduced my marketing ladies words out, in fact. And in the audience, looking at Mike Enlow talk about the internet and saying to myself, why am I not involved in this? I've got this huge computer background and marketing. It's an absolute marriage, right? Yeah. This is like 1995, I think. That's when I started, better look into this thing. I got email and then started doing something with that, and playing around with it and finally got an internet account. So by around 96, I was kind of doing some stuff and I saw the web was there, but not everybody was using it yet. And so kind of had to grow into some of these things. But I'll tell you about my first experience with a website. That's interesting. People calling up regularly and asking for my catalog. People are starting to use the internet. Enough people who call me are on the internet. I'm going to put up my catalog so I thought of this and then some guy wanted to do this for me so I hired him to do it and he put up my catalog on the internet and as soon as I remember the first time when it was active I said wow this is great because people used to call me up order the catalog I'd have to print a copy staple it put it in an envelope send it out to them take about a few days to get there it cost me about a buck and a half maybe a little more with postage and take a while to get there and I wasn't really good at getting them out Promptly. It could be a week or two before they got it. I said, this internet is fantastic because all I have to do now is just give them a web address. And they got it instantly. I said, my sales are going to double. The next person who called, I said, do you have web access? They said, yeah. I said, well, my catalog's up on the web, and I gave them the web address. I saved some money. I instantly responded to them. They had my full catalog accessible on the internet. I could expand it really well. This is great stuff. A month later, I tabulated all my results and discovered that my sales dropped by half. Really? Yeah. And I'm thinking, what the heck? Why is this? I finally analyzed it and found the answer. The answer was that when you go to a website, you may bookmark it or not. You used to bookmark it. After a while, you don't bookmark them anymore. It's a losing proposition. There's so many of them. But even when you bookmarked it, you rarely came back. That's true. What's happening is they go on... And they maybe wouldn't have time to go through the whole catalog, so they bookmark it and say, I'll come back to it. But never did. Because how are they going to get reminded of it? If they have a physical catalog there, every time they see the catalog on their desk, they're reminded of it. They pick it up, they take it to the living room with them, to the bathroom, read through it, start filling out the order form with what books they want. When they get finished, they call up or fax in an order. And I got an order. They didn't do that with the Internet. That makes sense. The reason is because... The Internet was reactive, even the web was reactive, as opposed to proactive. And that's why nowadays what you have to do, and has been for a while, 
you have to get their email address because you have to remind them to take a look at that catalog or whatever product you've got to offer. Now, I don't sell the books like I did anymore in the catalog. I gave it over to TWI Press, and they sell it. But the same principle applies that if someone isn't reminded of it, and how are you going to remind them of it is the question. Tell me, what are you finding from your experience today that people really want to know how to do, that you can give them some ideas that will help them? I think people want to make money and be independent. They want to be independently wealthy, meaning that they have the freedom to work on their own without having a boss over them who does less than they do. If they want to go to a movie in the afternoon or to their child's play in the afternoon, that they can do that. If they want to spend time with their family at, during the afternoon when it's nice as opposed to only seeing them in the evening when it's dark and no time left to do any real thing like that. They want to have freedom, the freedom of choice, and they want to be able to make good money at the same time. The Internet actually came along just in time. Companies taking over other companies and then laying off, you say, firing half of the workforce because they duplicated the jobs. Computers actually created less of a need for as many people, so that got rid of a lot of jobs. And what are all these people doing? The companies are downsizing. Computers are replacing people. What are all these excess people doing? They're learning about computers. They're getting on the Internet, and they're starting businesses. And some of them are doing really well. For example, this guy, the son of a guy who worked with a friend of mine, and they worked in Timeshare, and his son lived in New York City, and was essentially out of work. He was kind of referred to his son as a bum because he didn't work at all, and he just mooched off his parents. He's probably a creative guy sitting back and looking at the world. And he got the, after 9-1-1, he got this idea for putting Osama bin Laden's picture on a T-shirt with some irreverent saying or whatever. I don't even know the exact genesis of that. But he started doing irreverent T-shirts. I mean, just really raunchy, you know, holds bar T-shirts. And he starts selling them by the bushelful. In fact, he was selling so many that he was running out of money or running out of T-shirts. He's getting more orders for T-shirts than he had capital to be able to buy them in advance enough to make them and then be able to deliver them promptly. So he had to actually borrow some money, and he had his dad go around and borrow about thirty, forty thousand dollars for him so he could have some sort of a buffer and get those things done. How he started this thing was he put up a website called T shirt Hell. The last I heard, he had moved from New York City to Malibu Beach. He had a three story beach house on Malibu Beach, had someone else running his company for him, and they were looking for the first six figure week. That's week, not month. That was long enough ago to where I'm sure he's exceeded that. <laughs> and that was all made through the Internet? All through the Internet. He didn't sell it any other way other than the Internet. And he had a product that hit an emotional cord with the market. Yeah, it's a product that probably you and I would take a look at and say, to you, I wouldn't wear that anywhere. It's mm -hmm. like really embarrassing stuff on, the, on a T-shirt. The Internet is great because you can reach those people. And especially, even if it's the weirder, the far out, the better, because those people have no way they can get what they want 
through normal means because nobody would sell it. So that's even better. So that's one example. Another example of a client of mine is this 21-year-old high school dropout from the UK. He's not even English. He's German. English is a second language for him. He put up this website, standard $30 a month website. It was a membership site. And he never sold it on the Internet. He sold it through direct mail in a joint venture with another guy who's in the financial services business. He had 300 paying members who were paying $160 a month. And then he had some other ancillary things. He had actually a hard copy newsletter of the thing. But he was making over 670 grand annualized from that little site. What was it? What was he selling? Stock charting program. A stock market type program. It was a stock charting service, actually. He did stock charting. In fact, when I talked to him, I said, well, you know, one of the things you ought to do is like a auction off a day of your time to someone for like 10000 I think you'll probably get like $10,000 or something. He said, oh, I don't want to do that. He had tried this before. Somebody paid him $1,000 for a few hours of his time, kind of do a brain dump. And he was embarrassed because he's only 21, and this guy's like much older. He felt strange. He didn't have the confidence. Yeah, exactly. And whereas this guy knew that he did, and then... It's kind of strange. And so he took your copywriting course and helped hone his sales letter. Yeah. For the internet or for offline. Right. For offline. He also did another project showing people how to do memberships. Like All right. Tell me another story. These are great stories. There's another guy that I did a joint site. This is my product, though, but he had done some work for Jay Abraham. Uh, with concerning computers and installing computers in his office and mm-hmm. buying them at the right prices and stuff. He did this all basically gratis, and Jay owed him some, a favor. Jay let him talk for an hour at one of his seminars. His what? $1,000 seminar. What was his name? Adam Bush. So Adam calls me up and he says, Jay, give me an hour to talk to this seminar, but I don't have anything to sell. I need some way to monetize this. You got any ideas? So I said, okay, let's put something together. So what we did is, we took my copywriter protege program letter, pretty much the same one that's on copycoach.com. We took my marketing ladies workshop license, the letter for that, brought those two letters, and I said, look, here's the biggest problem anybody has in marketing is getting someone to read their sales letter. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to get up and you're going to offer these people an incentive to read these sales letters. So what kind of incentive could we use? Well, turned out that Earlier, probably a year or so earlier, one of Jay's assistants, Jeff Taylor, chatted me up and then said, we're having one of these $5,000 seminars. Would you like to come? I said, sure. He said, well, you pay your own expenses, but you don't have to pay 5000 to get in. I said, oh, gee, that's very nice. He called back the next day and he said, by the way, would you mind while you're here to give our staff a little workshop on copywriting? I said, no, I'd be pleased. He's using the Chaldini principle. <laughs> right a reciprocation, right? Yeah, two together here, and I'm saying, ah, let's see. I'm going to be doing this two-hour consultation. I'm going to bring a tape recorder. So I brought a tape recorder with me, and I taped the two hours. And basically, if someone sat down and said, teach me the most important things you know about copywriting or advertising, pretty much copywriting, but advertising in general, this is the two hours I'd give them. You know, obviously I gave the, got the most important stuff to Jay's staff. Do you have this on audio? I don't yet have something up on my site selling it. I have that in the process. 
it was just one of those situations that you really gave them your all and just came out really good, a great presentation. Right. At the time, I was charging $250 an hour for my consultation, and I reasoned that this was worth 500 bucks. And what I did is I said, this is worth 500 bucks. I only charge $100, but special $49.95. That's basically all I sold it for. Oh, okay. And we sold a bunch of those. So what I did was they were on two one-hour audio cassettes. By the way, later I reasoned that I really had undercut myself because if you really consider this, what did I do is if these weren't worth $500, $250 an hour, they were worth 5000 because I bartered a $5,000 seminar for these. So two hours of my time was bartered for $5,000. So anyway, that just perceived value went up. But I hadn't realized that at this time, so we just figured it on being worth $500. We had a bunch of these cassette sets made up, two cassettes. Here's the deal. Adam presented this. By the way, I wasn't even in the seminar room when he presented this. Mm-hmm. I was outside the seminar room, but I wasn't inside. It took him about 15 minutes, and he says, here's the deal. Carl Galetti wants to take a look at his sales letters. He just recently changed them, which was true. He wants a critique from you because he knows you guys are up to speed on his marketing techniques and everything. He wants your opinion of them, of each sales letter. So read them tonight, give them back to me, and if you do, if you just fill out this brief survey form, we'll give you this tape set that he's done for Jay Abraham's staff where he's taught staff about copywriting for two hours. Worth $500, and you'll get this for free if you hand them the survey form. When I just understand the sales letter that they were going to read that night was what? Sales letters. Was on what? One was for my copyrighted protege program. The other one was for my marketing made easy workshop license, reprint license. All right, that's great. So what happened? Part of the deal was this you hand them the survey form, we'll give you the tapes. And by the way, if you're interested in this deal, you're probably not on his list. But if you'd like to take advantage of it, we have a special. If you buy the copyrighted protege program, we'll throw in the license to the marketing made easy workshop for free. We collected. I don't know how many. There were about a couple hundred people there. I think we collected about a hundred and some forms, and we took orders for thirty-five thousand nine hundred dollars. That's incredible. And it would have never happened unless you didn't bribe them to get them to read the letter. Exactly. Through that bonus. Exactly. These are people at a five thousand dollars seminar. They have more important things to do than read somebody's sales letter. They had to do it in their off time, which wasn't very much because Jay kept them going from morning to evening. He had to pay them to read the sales letter. Exactly. And, and then paid them with a $5,000, well, I only said $500 tape set. And a $5,000 That value. basically cost us a couple bucks. Do you still use that technique in ways of your marketing? Because it seems to really work to get people to read. Yeah, I don't use it as much as I should. The funny thing about both of these things, I used a similar technique at Robert Allen's. I used the technique, it works, and then I just don't use it again. And every once in a while I say to myself, why didn't I use that anymore? I've got a guy, Ken MacArthur, who runs the affiliate showcase at Save the Alert. Ken has this site which sells surveys. It sells a book on how to make money doing surveys for companies. In fact, he was one of the first people who got into that market. He's got a list of about 160,000 people on that. These are people who are interested in doing surveys and making money from doing surveys. There are legitimate ones out there that will pay you money for answering your survey, but a lot of them now on the Internet are just cover-ups for getting your email address and stuff like that. It's a minefield out there. You don't know where you're walking. So what we're going to do is I made up the survey 
read the copy on the website, answer these questions, and when you answer the questions, you get a free book, free ebook. The book's called Secrets from the Internet Marketing Super Conference, and basically what it is is a couple super conferences back, we had Corey Rule and Jonathan Mizell and Robert Allen and Marlon Sanders and Terry Dean and a bunch of other people, and what I did is I took maybe about 10 or 12 of them, I think about 10, and had them transcribed and then edited heavily so that we took out all of the extraneous stuff and whatever, and I put them into a book that I sell for $27.97. And so that's the book that they get for free when they answer the survey. Yeah, it's basically the same technique moved over into the Internet. What else are people out there really having a hard time with when your students call you? Where The most difficult thing new people writing copy have is they speak too much from their own point of view rather than reader's point of view. We like to call it wee-weeing all over your copy. Like, we do this. You want to speak to the person, and generally, if you use the word you or your, it kind of forces the issue. When you're critiquing your own copy, if you see something that says we or I, try to transmute that into you or your. So just to take a main example of, let's say, I'm the best there is selling widgets, you can transmute that into doing, like, you can find out how to be the best person at selling widgets by just taking this course. Or I just substitute all the I's and the we's with you. It's not exactly a substitution, but it forces the transmutation into changing the other words around the fit. It does work initiating that process. So that's one of the first things. Also, most people don't spend nearly enough time on headlines. Myself included, I have to catch myself. When I did the Internet Marketing Super Conference thing, I showed it to Armand Warren, and he said, so where's the headline? <laughs> where's the headline? Testing, traffic testing, and tools, the theme to the thing. So I said, oh, I think I need a headline. So what happened is this one 22-year-old kid who went to his first, my first conference last year, calls me up and says, when's this year's conference. I said, oh, it's coming up. I gave him the date. And he said, last month we had our first $60,000 a month, and we made over $100,000 so far this year. There's your headline. I said, wow, there we go. My headline, 22-year-old has first $60,000 a month after attending Internet Marketing Super Conference. Yeah, it's great. The real-life situations is where the gold is. Instead of trying to dream them up, they're right there. Can you take me through a little process? Let's say you were going to take on a client again, and they had a product. Could you take me through your process of how you deal with that client and how you create a piece of copy? The first thing I want to do is I want to learn everything I can about the product and how we sell it, what's worked, what hasn't Let me even take you back one more. What criteria are you going to must have in place before you even consider taking a client on? Let me precede this all by saying I don't take clients on anymore because I'm my own client now. I still teach people copywriting with my copywriter protege program. They can get you virtually, basically. Yeah, but that's about as close as they come to writing copy for people. There are some friends I'll critique their stuff or in some cases even write some stuff for them, but I don't hire myself out anymore as a copywriter, so this is a mess pitch for getting some copywriting business. The main reason is why? Because you can make a heck of a lot more money writing for yourself. I've known that since I started writing copy. Why write for somebody else when 
the bulk of the money is made by the person who owns the company and is the entrepreneur. I'm the entrepreneur. I'm interested in making money. To me, copy is a glamorous job. At first, it sounds glamorous. You're a writer, but after a while, you get over that. I don't really care about copy. I care about making money. I'm an entrepreneur. That's what's important to me. I'm excited about new and different ways of making money, not by writing copy. Writing copy, quite frankly, is not that glamorous. What's glamorous is sending out a sales letter that makes you a ton of money. But most people can't afford to be hiring copywriters at $6,500, $10,000, dollars and up. They've got to be pretty successful before that. Learn to write copy is an integral thing. It's about as important to you as knowing how to make your own product. There are three things that I think are integral to any business. The product, the promotion, and the people. The people or the market you're selling to. On the Internet, that's traffic. Getting traffic to your site, that's integral. The next thing is converting the traffic. That's the promotion, the sales letter, the copy on your site. And then the third thing is the product that you're selling. And those three things have to play together. So you could do a business, especially on the Internet, by only knowing how to do one of those three things, but doesn't it make sense to know how to do all three of them? Aren't they all as important for the whole process? Because if you miss any one of them, then it's not going to work. I'm known as a copywriter, but quite frankly, I'm given my choice that I'd like to get away from that stigma. It's kind of like being typecast as an actor. The reason is because I never approached copy as being just writing words. It's just part of the system of selling something. Exactly. But it's integral. It's the main part. It's the word. That's what gets people to buy things. And without that, you're dead in the water. Exactly. And it's used all over, even in the other three parts. Because if you know how to write copy really well, you can produce better products. If you know how to write copy really well, then it's going to be a lot easier to generate traffic to your website. Because a lot of the things that generate traffic to your website are word-related. Mm-hmm. And they would use words, whether they're Google AdWords or whether it's the title in your search engine result page that people see you on the search engine. Here's something that very few people realize. They think of search engine optimization, all of the things you can do on your website to get optimized, you're up higher in the rankings on the search engine. And then they forget the fact that when someone does a search on your keyword and you do come up in the top ten, that what gets people to click on your link as opposed to the other nine the words. are the words. And what are those words? Well, the bold line is your title, and the rest of it's your description. The description never even appears on your website. The human doesn't even see the description on the website. They only see it in the search engine result pages. And the title, they can see at the top, but very few people even look at that. But they do look at it at the search engine result page. That's a good point. People are so focused on search engine optimization, but they need copy optimization once they get there. Right. What's the most important part of any sales letter? It's the headline, or any ad that's the headline. We all know that. Maybe not everybody listening knows that, but I'll just tell you, it is. It's one of the things you learn if you study the subject we're talking about, that the headline is one of the most important things. So what's the headline to a search engine? The headline is your title. The first paragraph, which is the most important paragraph, is the description. Why is the headline so important? If you go back and you look at, let's take how this thing evolved, take a look at when newspapers started. They started one little one-sheet little things, and then they grew to bigger one-sheet things. And then as they got to multi-pages, people couldn't read the whole newspaper. So they had to have a way of picking out what was of interest to them. And the newspaper came up with the idea of a headline, which 
basically a few words in larger type which would catch people's attention and describe what that article was about. And so they can pick and choose whether they wanted to read that article or go on based upon the headline. Same thing happens in advertising. You don't want to read every ad, but you kind of scan the headlines to decide whether you do want to read them or not, whether the subject is of interest to you or not. So a good headline would be how to make a six-figure income on the Internet, for instance. Right. Say that. I can't think of a bad headline, but there are plenty of bad ones, sure. believe me. The thing is, is that people will take a look at that and decide in a fraction of a second whether they want to read it anymore or not. And on the Internet, it's no different. It's kind of like someone sitting in front of a TV with a remote control. They're clicking through, deciding which channel they're going to land on. On the Internet, they're surfing around, deciding which site they're going to read more about. And obviously, whatever the first thing they see is the headline. So they're going to need to be motivated by that. When you're really making an effort for a client to come up with a headline, how do you establish the headline that you're going to use on your letter? What was your particular process in doing that? My process is coming up with a lot of different ideas based upon the good headlines that have worked in the past. So having a good collection of headlines is important. I actually put together a book called 2001 Headlines, the greatest headlines of all time. 2001 headlines that have worked and used. Other people have assembled things like 100 Greatest Headlines. Vic Schwab's book has 100 Greatest Headlines stuff like that. That gives you a starting point, but it's by no means a be-all and end-all. There are a few little programs out there that kind of tend to try to automate this process, but I don't think as far as you need it to go, they do a good job of giving you a reminder of what some possibilities could be for you thing, but you still kind of have to work at getting them. The thing that you really need to do most is practice creating headlines. You need a good starting point, and having Headlines that have worked in the past is a good starting point, and just transmuting that and modifying it so that you can create a good headline. My favorite headlines are how-to headlines. I think that just really says it all. Some of the most famous headlines of all time are John Cable's, They Laughed When I Sat Down at the Piano, But When I Started to Play, dot, dot, dot. That ran for 40 years successfully. Most people usually don't realize about that ad is that it didn't ask you to send any money. It was a full-page ad. Obviously, it's expensive because it's a full-page ad. You didn't send any money. You sent for a free lesson and taught you how to play a musical instrument. From there, they sold you via direct mail. Same thing with Max Sackheim's, do you make these mistakes in English? Now, we talked earlier about mistakes beginning people make. The biggest mistake I see people make is they ask questions in the headline. You've got to be very careful when you ask a question because questions put people in state. If you study anything like NLP, you realize that how you get someone into state, it's called in state, kind of like a hypnotic thing, is to ask them questions. So if you sell widgets, it puts you in the state of whether you're selling widgets or not. So if you say, do you make mistakes in English? puts you in the state of making mistakes. That can be good or bad depending on how you handle it, but it's usually bad the way most beginners handle it. I advise them to stay away from it because it you gives really them a, need to know what you're doing. Yeah, it gives them a choice between yes and no. Right. Now, the reason you make these mistakes in English work is because you can't answer it yes or no. Like, take a typical question. Do you like dogs? Yes or no. It doesn't matter. Turn the page. I just answer the question. But if I say, do you like these dogs, how can I answer the question unless I read which dogs you're talking about, yeah. right? And that does what the headline's supposed to do, which is to get you to read the next thing. 
that's the way to get that thing to work. And headlines are extremely important in that that regard. Do you make these mistakes in English? Direct your attention to well, what mistakes are we talking about here? That went on and sold for 40 years. Again, no asking, no money. Send for a free lesson. Teach you how to write English. I hope you're enjoying this exclusive interview with Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. Please continue to part three. Did you know that I buy and pay cash for old marketing seminars? You may be a person who has a closet full of old marketing seminars just sitting there, waiting to be sold for cash. Well, if you do, I'm looking for Jay Abraham, Gary Halbert, old vintage marketing seminars, audio tapes, and books. And all you got to do is pick up the phone and call me or email me a list of what you have. I'll make you a cash offer on the spot, and you can turn some of that stuff that's just sitting. They're doing nothing into cash that you can reinvest in some of my other products on the site or to do whatever you want with. That's another tip from Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com.